Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to today's podcast, sponsored by Hillsdale College. All things Hillsdale at hillsdale.edu. I encourage you to take advantage of the many free online courses there. And, of course, to listen to the Hillsdale Dialogues, all of them at Q for hillsdale.com, or just Google Apple, iTunes, and Hillsdale. Good morning, Glory America. Bonjour, hi, Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt, back inside the Beltway. Drove down on Saturday, packed up everything, and, and returned to the Beltway, because if there's going to be a long war, and this is going to be a long war. I wanted to be here. Now, I normally begin Victory Mondays by celebrating a little bit by spiking the ball because the Cleveland Browns won. I did watch the game yesterday. I don't. I haven't stopped doing other things besides obsessing about the massacre in Israel. But I am obsessed about the massacre in Israel and the fact that 199 families were notified yesterday by the Israeli Defense Forces that there are hostages from their family. And I don't know if it means 199 hostages. It would sound to me like there's got to be more than 199 hostages. There are at least 199 hostages because 199 families have been told, we know one of yours is in Gaza. And along with Bethany Mandel, I keep thinking of the children, particularly who are being held by terrorists. And I, uh, you know, just keep them in your prayer. So I haven't really tweeted about much or talked about much other than the situation in Israel, because it is Really, on the press, you know, I'm very glad the Browns won. They never win a game like that. I mean, the the calls don't go their way, and the 49ers rookie kicker doesn't shank one in the final seconds for the Browns to win. I mean, it, that was a great thing, a great diversion. But immediately I come back and start reading about the looming war. And I do want you to know, uh, Ynet reported this morning that the United States has stopped Israel from preemptively striking Hezbollah. Uh, by the promise of support with the uh, two aircraft carrier groups on the way there. That is from YNET. I don't know that they Israel can put up with this much longer from the north because they're under a constant series of attacks, and, and a couple of Israelis have died and some have been wounded, and they've had to evacuate um, two clicks from the border, everyone, uh, except people who have bomb shelters who are living in the bomb shelters because Hezbollah uh, looks like it's on the verge of getting in, and Israel of course, cannot allow them to get the first shot off, not unlike 1967 when Nasser said, we will destroy you in the 1967 war, which I have only the faintest memory of, but have read Dr. Oren's book on, uh, was the only successful surprise attack in recent history by ultimate success. In the new book, Conflicts by General David Petraeus and Lord Andrew Roberts, they write surprise attacks are very rarely successful for the people who launched the surprise. They're, they're successful on the day of the surprise, but surprise is an advantage lost very quickly when you're dealing with a resilient foe. But I would not let Hezbollah get off the first barrage of their 140,000 missiles. So watch that space very closely. Meanwhile, um, President Biden uh, went on 60 Minutes last night, and I got to say, there are there are times when you think Kamala Harris couldn't be worse. Um, here he is with Scott Pelley, uh, cut number uh, 27. 
I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. Okay, so his message is don't. Don't, don't, don't. That, how is that? How's that for communicating? Uh, then we've got the president talking about Gaza like he actually understands the difficulty involved here. Cut number 26. What happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to, uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the, uh, the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Do you believe that Hamas must be eliminated entirely? Uh, yes, I do. But there needs to be a Palestinian authority. There needs to be a, a path to a Palestinian state. He can't get off his talking points. He, he's falling back into his talking points. And some people who originally took uh, calm and were calm after his speech Tuesday night and said it was a great speech are beginning to realize, in fact, there is a pressure campaign from the United States on Israel building already, already. They're saying they're 100% behind them, but the Biden administration is acting already to undercut them. It, this is the most disturbing thing of the Pelley interview with 60 Minutes last night, cut 25. I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no this evidence point, that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they... Did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? There's there's no evidence of that at this point. I I don't believe that. And I have seen too many pieces of evidence to deny that. The president wants to believe it. And can I go back? I want to play again. Just listen very closely to what he says about extremist elements in Hamas. There is no extremist element in Hamas. It's like saying the extremist elements in ISIS, suggesting that there are reasonable elements in ISIS. There weren't. There aren't now with Hamas. Go back to the 26. What happened in Gaza, in my view, is Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas. Stop right there. Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas. But what extreme element? Do you see? Do you understand? They're not in this to win this in the way that Israel is and must. Um, Fearing escalation, Biden seeks to deter Iran and Hezbollah as the New York Times this morning. The Biden administration has grown increasingly anxious in recent days that Israel's enemies may seek to widen the war with Hamas by opening new fronts, a move that could compel the United States to enter the conflict directly with its naval forces to defend its closest ally in the region. The administration has sought to use diplomatic and military avenues to head off any expansion of the war. The Pentagon dispatched a second aircraft carrier to the region over the weekend, along with additional land-based weapons, even as Washington and back-channel messages to Iran through intermediaries in Qatar, Oman, and China, warning against escalation. We're using China to deliver messages to Iran. Um, the fear of a second front deepened Sunday as intense classes broke out along Israel's northern border. Hezbollah, the Iranian-backed militia that controls southern Lebanon, fired missiles into Israel, and Israel responded with artillery fire and airstrikes. Um, I put over on my Twitter feed 
uh, Israeli National Security Advisor saying, we will destroy Lebanon if they keep this up. We will destroy it. And I do not believe, I'm going to talk with Dr. Warren at the bottom of this hour, that there is any room to maneuver or negotiate here. There should be one message, which is we're going to destroy Hamas. And Hezbollah, you're next if you keep this up. That ought to be the one message. Uh, half a million Palestinians have fled the north of Gaza to the south of Gaza, and that's good. Israel turned the water back on uh, to the south of Gaza to encourage evacuation, according to one story in the, the Telegraph. But um, other stories from a variety of sources say the United States pushed Israel to do that. And when you've got 199-plus hostages and 1,400 dead, I don't know why you're obliged to do anything because the water isn't going to go to the Gaza civilians. The water's going to go to the Hamas military, and it's all military. Brett Stevens has an editorial in the, Wall, in the New York Times this morning. Hamas bears the blame for every death in this war. Go and read it. He's right. It's all Hamas's fault. It's all the extremism of all elements of terrorism. There isn't any extremist terrorist and non-extremist terrorist. They're all terrorists. They're all extremists. The president is befuddled and confused. We had four elections over the weekend. Australia rejected a constitutional amendment overwhelmingly. New Zealand tossed out its left-wing crazy government, the head of which went off to Davos to become their warrior against disinformation. Poland has a mixed result. Looks like a divided government. It'll stay center-left or center-right. It'll be fine. Ecuador tossed out their... uh, uh, they, they tossed out their conservative, corrupt guy, and they put in a young businessman who's a conservative, so that was good. Suzanne Summers died yesterday at the age of 76. That was very sad. I uh, got to meet her a couple of times. Good friends with Rick Grinnell, uh, our former ambassador to Germany and acting director of national intelligence. And Jim Jordan should win the speakership tomorrow. That's a should, not a will. Because I don't know what's going on in the caucus and in the conference, in the House GOP conference. I have no idea... But Jim Jordan is the candidate. He won the majority. He should get elected. We need a speaker, especially as it is possible that we could have a two-front war and, and Iran getting involved as well. We need a speaker. Jordan, uh, Steve Scalise, I was buying Steve Scalise. I thought it was the knuckleheads that threw out McCarthy are to be blamed for the chaos in the House at this moment of international crisis. We need a speaker. Jim Jordan's a good guy. I've known him a long time. He'll be fine. He gets along with everyone well. So vote for him. Moderate Republicans, allegedly 10 to 20 of them blocking it. Stop that. Get a speaker. This is a national security crisis, and we need a speaker. Stay tuned. I'll be right back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Dr. Michael Oren joins us from Israel. We've been relying on Dr. Oren for many, many years, former Israeli ambassador to the United States, former deputy minister in an earlier Netanyahu government and author extraordinaire to bring us the good news but in the best of times and now the worst of times to keep us up to date. Good morning, Dr. Oren. Um, I have been unable to shake off the feeling of dread that I assume most Israelis are walking around with on a daily basis. What is generally just the mood in Israel today? You know, we're a week and a half into this war, Hugh, and the state of Israel, and I mean the state, the psychological state, has not moved beyond uh, a week ago last Saturday. We're still there. And it keeps getting deeper, not not less, because we just found out. Whereas we thought we had maybe 100 plus uh, hostages, now we're officially saying there are 199 hostages, and I've just heard that the number's probably higher. 
Yeah, that's how I re- I, I led the show with that, too, because it's a gut punch. And I haven't moved beyond that either. And I, I think a lot yeah. of the news is trying to move beyond that. But it's like 9-11. We didn't move beyond 9-11 for years. And I, I don't know why we expect Israelis to do it. Wait, this is 9-11 writ 15 times. This is the equivalent of not 3,000 Americans being killed on 9-11, but 40,000 Americans being killed on 9-11. And many thousands taken hostage. Uh, you have 30 times our population, at least. So this is what it's like. And we all know people. Everyone knows everyone going to funerals. And I'd be sitting with people and they get a phone call. The problem is that the bodies were so mutilated. We're so mutilated that there, there's still hundreds of bodies that haven't been identified yet. So families are still finding out. I was just with somebody, um, a friend of mine, a psychologist, who found that one of his friend's uh, daughters had just been identified among the bodies. So this is, this is intensely personal and intensely traumatic. Uh, and on top of that, we're about to go to war in a big way. In a big way. Now, so, I want to turn to yeah. that. I, I was talking last night with the Fetching Mrs. Hewitt about Ronit and Yossi. They were a couple of Israelis who lived in the United States uh, 30 years ago, helped us with child care for a couple of years until their baby Roy was born. I assume Roy, at the age of 29, has been uh, called up if he wasn't already on active duty. Yeah. And I, isn't everyone mobilized, basically? Yeah, about three I three uh, people who assist me, all, all young men. They're all in the Army. They're all in combat units. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, those who aren't in the army like me have 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 guilt complexes about it, really. Um, yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm working with a wonderful um, fund in New York that is uh, promoting that hires a, a great PR company, Javelin, to uh, put me on a newscast. So I'm pretty much in the news from early evening to early morning every day. Um, and I think I'm you know doing what I can for the state of Israel, but I probably trade it all in to get back into uniform. That's, um, everyone feels this way. I, I have been amazed by the stories of the grandpa general drove down, killed terrorists, and got his grandchildren. I know there's lots of heroism, but the 199 number is a gut punch. Let me read you the story yes. from U.S. Int uh, Defender this morning. U.S. defense officials have reportedly convinced the Israeli government not to launch a preemptive strike on Hezbollah forces in Lebanon, with them promising that U.S. naval assets in the Eastern Med, including the Ford, will provide military assistance. I don't even know if you can rely on on President Biden. It looks to me like he's now circling back on his full-throated support, and it looks to me like Tony Blinken's doing a lot of that, too. What is your assessment of the Hezbollah threat and whether or not Israel will strike first? Well, first, yesterday they also announced that that, uh, Biden's going to visit here in the coming days. Uh, which is going to be uh, very interesting. I imagine he would land at another airport, not a major airport. He'd be following to Jerusalem. Um, but it will also his visit will also be greeted by uh, an extra special barrage, uh, gifts of our of the people in Hamas. Um, uh, on Friday, I published an article in the in the Hebrew Press. We have a, a leading paper. It's called Israel Yom, Israel Today. And I suggested in this article that maybe we are attacking the wrong people. Listen to how bit time to talk about this. Hamas isn't, I explained that Hamas isn't going anywhere. Hamas is trapped. And we can continue to pound Hamas from the air, from the sea, from the ground. But the far greater threat is Hezbollah. Um, Hezbollah has, if, if Hamas has 15,000 rockets, a lot. Uh, Hamas has 150,000 rockets. Um, many of them are accurate rockets. They're buried under houses and villages in southern Lebanon. They have a, a a military force that has fought in Syria for 10 years. Um, they're exactly the same terrorists. They will do to the people of the north what Hamas did to the people of the south. 
and that now we have some measure of international backing. Now we have these aircraft carriers off our coast. Maybe we should focus our attention on Hezbollah because eventually these people are going to attack us anyway. And what's going to happen is if we go into Lebanon, if we go into, into Gaza, and it looks like uh, we're going to conquer Gaza and defeat Hamas, because it would be very difficult for, to me to imagine that Hezbollah will sit there quietly. And they're already not. They've already killed four of our soldiers That's with mortar barrages. So this has caused a bit of a ruffle here. Sometimes. I wanted to get people to think about this. And, uh, and to a certain degree, that's been a discussion here now. Well, the National Security Cabinet meets tonight. Uh, the three-person, uh, Gallant, uh, Gantz, and Netanyahu. Do you yeah. think they're actively considering that? Because it seems to me that would be rational. And when Marshall sat down with FDR and they sat down with Churchill and, and they just said, yeah. we're, we'll get to Japan, we'll fight some on Japan, but we're going to take out the Nazis first. It's that kind of decision, right. isn't it? It's, it's what Ben Gurion did in 1948. Where we were attacked by all different directions. He said, first we liberate Jerusalem, then we liberate the Galilee, and then we turn to the Negev, to the south, where the Egyptian army was. Because the Egyptian army wasn't going anywhere. And it, was, it, 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 it basically was hunkering down in the Negev. And, and Ben Gurion won. We were at the stake because of that. You know, he did triage. And, uh, you know, we are, we are at maximum mobilization here. We've got 360,000 reservists called up. That's in addition to a standing army. It's probably about 100, 125,000. This is an army as big as the army sent into Iraq in 2003. Huge. But we cannot remain at this level indefinitely. These are the most productive people in the Israeli society, young women and men. It's our high-tech sector. Uh, right now we have you no know, tourism. We can't remain like this forever. And you, you can't do this every Tuesday. So if we have this massive force at our disposal, why not think about getting rid of a threat which eventually, eventually is going to be used against us? Um, and we can't, it's a sort of Damocles over our heads. And I think we have to address it. Um, and Iran has threatened to get involved as well. And I, I still, yeah. we, we can't get President Biden to uh, uh, stipulate that Iran was involved in the Hamas attack. And I, I do not Well, Tony believe. Blinken has said something, I think. I mean, that, I, I, they're into it. It, it, it. Biden's speech did not have the word Iran in it. Many people know that that here, even though it was an extraordinary speech. Um, now I think they're coming around to it. And I, I think the big question here is what will people ask you here? Will, will Biden pull the trigger? And you know, I think he will. I, think, I don't think he's moved up these huge assets, the Eisenhower, Ford, and the combat groups around them uh, just for show. I don't think he'll put boots on the ground, but he could definitely use the, the air power. He could use the missile power. These, um, I've been on these aircraft carriers. They pack a wallop that you can't believe. They're an army into themselves. And it's also 5,000 sailors on one of them. And so Hezbollah has yes. the ability to strike that missile. I, I, this is why I want American politics to get itself sorted out and get a speaker, because we're on the yes. cusp of this. I want to go back to the hostages, Dr. Orrin, 199. Yes. Many of them are babies, right? Children. Has Hamas communicated? survivors. <laughs> I just have been visiting one of these families. I just came right now. And he's hot off the, oh my I'm gosh. completely devastated emotionally by this. Well, and has Hamas said anything about them? Have they communicated? They could, they could surrender the hostages. They could um, de-escalate if they wanted to. Yeah, if they, they, they are going to use the hostages the way they use their own civilian population, which is as human shields. And so the, the hostages are another level of human shields. Have they released um, any videos of them and in, in Hebrew media? I just can't read it. I just want to know, is there any news of them at all? 
Right. So um, I couldn't hear. There was some noise in the background. What did you just ask you? Sorry. I just asked if there's any news from Gaza about the hostages in any way. I don't know. His family I just visited hadn't heard anything. It's they, just they, they torture. Even, they won't even list, you know, a list. They're putting together lists of people who, you know, who saw them in the hospital or saw them somewhere or saw them being taken away. Um, you know, I look at my kids, I look at my grandkids and think, you know, what if? What, 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 what would I do in that situation? I'm sure you've been down in those regions before. Uh, let me close this way, Dr. Oren, in terms of, yeah. of uh, what what the world is doing. You know, Salem has got uh, an alliance with the International Association of Christians and Jews trying to raise money to help Israel. Is the world yeah. stepping up like it did for Ukraine and should for Israel as the mobilization, as you rightly point out, costs an enormous amount of money and, and is putting a lot of people yeah. in distress? Well, I think um, communities are. I don't think we're getting assistance from, from governments uh, the way Ukraine did. Um, and my biggest concern right now is someone who's dealing with the foreign press is that the narrative has changed. Yes, it is. And it starts, it started with the Europeans, of course, and it's working its way into, uh, into the United States. I had some, if you look at, uh, I was just on CBS Sunday morning, um, and take a look at what they did. Take a look at the game. If you have a chance to download it. So well, I, I, I listened to Margaret Brennan quizzing uh, Ron DeSantis yesterday. And the yeah. questions imply that Israel is acting without restraint. It, it's crazy. It's about Palestinian suffering. Now. Yes. And, um, and some of these interviews I'm doing, they don't even, you know, don't even recall our suffering. So, you know, that narrative's changing. And that, you know, our, I always say that our enemies don't have a, a military strategy. They have a military tactic that serves a media, a diplomatic, and legal strategy. Okay, so what do they want to do? Hamas wants to create... This narrative of Palestinian suffering, Israelis are, are disproportionate and cruel. That then becomes protest in the streets of Europe. That then becomes pressure in the Security Council. And the Security Council imposes a ceasefire before we have a chance to actually get at Hamas. That's what Hamas wants. That's their shield. It's been nine days. It works very well. I, 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 I just well, can't even believe it because it's been nine days since they slaughtered 1,400 right. people and kidnapped 200. And, and nine days. And people yeah. are, are putting pressure on Israel. So good luck oh, to you. And, uh, thank uh, you, uh, you. Stick with us. Oh, of course. Very, of very course. Much. Talk to you yeah. soon. Dr. Michael Oren from Tel Aviv this morning. Morning, glory, America. Bunker High, Canada. I'm Hugh Hewitt inside the Beltway. Andrew McCarthy wrote a piece this weekend for the New York Post on proportionality. And since it is so widely used and so wrongly misunderstood, I asked him to join me, and he does. Good morning, Andy. Thank you for coming on. You, it's my pleasure. Proportionality is a rule of reason, not of surrender. That's a fine closing line in your essay. Would you tell people why we're even talking about this and then explain what it is? Because I do know a little bit about this. I don't like to do criminal defense, but I do know a little bit about the law of war. And I can, I don't think anyone but you has gotten it right. Yeah, well, I think, you. the reason for that is that this has been a bugaboo of mine since after 9-11, because what we're hearing this weekend is precisely the same thing that we heard uh, beginning when we finally, after the 9-11 attacks, recognized that the struggle we were in was more of a national security and military challenge than a courtroom situation. Uh, and, of course, the, uh, the response then was that uh, we were being disproportionate uh, in our military response uh, in Afghanistan and later um, Iraq, 
And to hear the left tell it, and it's not just the left, it's Islamist and leftist uh, combined, but uh, to hear them tell it, what, what the laws of war which require, which, which contain the principle of proportionality, to hear them tell it is like a tit-for-tat thing, so that the aggressor gets to determine how much response uh, is appropriate by the responding military force uh, and can kind of cap uh, the the uh, military response um, in a kind of a, you know, like an eye for an eye sort of way. Um, and that's not what proportionality means at all. What proportionality means is that a military commander is supposed to uh, single out military, legitimate military objectives. And when you're deciding what force to use in hitting a military objective, you are supposed to try to minimize civilian casualties. But it doesn't mean that you can't hit the target. You have to hit the target uh, if it's a legitimate military objective. Uh, And it doesn't mean that if there are going to be civilian uh, damage to civilians or civilian infrastructure that you can't hit it, but it means that you're supposed to try to uh, contain your uh, warfare response to uh, subjects that or, or targets that have military value. And when you're fighting a, an outfit like Hamas, uh, the fact of the matter is they have their arsenal uh, and the way that they uh, fire their arsenal spread among civilian infrastructure. So it's inevitable, and it's, uh, you know, this is why people say war is hell. Of course it is, but it's inevitable that in order to respond to that, you're going to have to hit those targets. And Israel, I think, is doing more than any country in the world would do, including us, frankly, uh, in terms of, like, making sure they, they go the extra mile to minimize civilian casualties. I think they're doing it to the point where they're actually going to miss uh, some of the legitimate targets that they have to hit if they want to destroy Hamas. Uh, But they are doing it to minimize civilian casualties. They still have to hit these targets. And Andy, I, I, I summarize it. If you are in a just war, and Israel is, you are obliged to minimize civilian loss of life, innocent loss of life. And civilian, that line gets very, very shady when you're dealing with terrorist people. It doesn't matter if they're not wearing a a uniform, if they're a terrorist or supporting the terrorist. And you do not have to support the civilian population in which they are hiding. Israel cut off the water and international pressure began. They restored the water in the south because they want uh, Gaza residents to move to the south of Gaza because they're going to the north of Gaza. But there is no obligation not to kill civilians. I just put people back in World War II. We didn't stop at the Rhine, Andy. And right. uh, we, we firebombed Tokyo. There were a lot of innocent Tokyo, but we were not going to sacrifice our men coming ashore, including my dad. And I don't know about yours. They were not going to get um, blown up and, and killed by a last-ditch Japanese stand uh, because we didn't want to use the nuclear weapon that would kill innocent people. Proportionality does not mean what I, I mean. I haven't even seen it used right once. Right. Well, because pe- people, um, you know, you have people who are consciously trying to deceive the public about what this means and what they're saying ostensibly doesn't sound unreasonable. You know, people get told that, well, you're supposed to be proportionate in your military response 
if you're not somebody who is steeped in the laws of war, you can be duped into believing what that means is that uh, when one side has offensive operations against the other, the other in response can't overdo it. Uh, that may make sense to people, at least, uh, you know, on a certain surface level. But if you think about it in terms of common sense, the, the laws of war are not aimed at having a stalemate um, where, where a military force that could win has its hands tied, uh, you know, by some goofy concept that says that you can't do more than the enemy has done. Now, this really uh, took object- this took root because of, of droning, right? Uh, Obama got heat for droning people. And ever since then, the left has been against the idea that you might kill an innocent civilian in the cost in the course of prosecuting a war. And I remember Abby Gate, they did not take the shot at the uh, uh, suicide bomber because they were afraid they were wrong. It does paralyze militaries and Israel refuses to be paralyzed, Andy. Well, yeah, but they're also being very humanitarian. And <laughs> very. Yep. You know, they're they're uh, it, but, you know, in the uh, in the end, I think what you're saying is uh, and I and I couldn't agree with this more. They are doing this at some compromise to the the combat effectiveness that the war, the laws of war would allow them to have, which they feel like they have to do for both co- public consumption and we have because, frankly, we have a leftist administration uh, in Washington, uh, which is giving them, I think, behind the scenes a very hard time. Uh, You know, the mere fact that we haven't had this ground operation uh, really begin in earnest yet uh, is an indication to me that there's a lot going on behind the scenes where, you know, the government, our government may be saying some of the right things publicly, but, uh, you know, this idea behind the scenes that they can't go in until there's a satisfactory corridor that's opened up so that people can get out, uh, which would inevitably mean Hamas jihadists can also get out is insane. But I, I do think they're, uh, you know, they're, they need our support and they're being squeezed behind the scenes. I, I think you're right. In fact, there's a story in Ynet this morning of Israel that we have uh, dissuaded Israel from a preemptive strike on Hezbollah uh, and have sent the carrier strike groups there as sort of a comfy blanket, you know, a security blanket. But we haven't committed to using the force, Andy. I don't think President Biden is doing what he needs to do to deter Hezbollah in Iran at this point. Do you? Well, no, I think we're giving them material support. I mean, they're out there saying, you know, we're not sure that Iran really had anything to do with this. Um, And this is like the old Washington game. They can't acknowledge that, you know, the, the, the truth that's uh, plain in front of everybody's face, because if they acknowledge it, then they have to do something about it, which they don't want to uh, want to do. So we're supposed to all pretend that even though Iran funds Hamas and supplies Hamas with weapons and gives them training and Hezbollah works with them and Hezbollah trains them in the Bekaa Valley, we're all supposed to pretend that an additional thing we have to show is that there was some conversation in which the Ayatollah uh, spoke with Haniya in Qatar or wherever the conversation happened and gave him the green light to go ahead as if, you know, we're supposed to ignore everything else and suspend disbelief to believe that Hamas, which depends on Iran uh, as part of its lifeline, would actually pull off or, or haul off and do an attack like they did on October 7th without letting Iran know under circumstances where 
that attack could very well have been taken by Israel and others to, you know, they could have instantly decided that Iran obviously had to be behind it and have attacked Iran over it. So the thought that Hamas would do this without tipping Iran off uh, and making sure it was okay when they depend on Iran is fairyland. Yeah, and I also don't believe they're telling us the truth on what they know. Andy, a week from now, the war will have widened. I expect proportionality to keep uh, coming up, and I hope people go and get the link at Hugh Hewitt uh, account on Twitter and send it to everyone because that's the best succinct statement on proportionality and what it does and does not mean that I've seen. And thank you for joining me this morning. Andrew C. McCarthy on X, the site formerly known as Twitter, Andrew C. McCarthy. Thank you, Andy. I'll be right back, America. Stay tuned. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart, took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. We discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. Welcome back, America. I'm Hugh Hewitt. It was announced by the Republican National Committee earlier this morning that NBC News, Salem News, and the Republican Jewish Coalition will be, and Rumble, will be uh, hosting the third Republican debate on November 8th in Miami. Uh, We'll bring you details of that. Looking forward to it. And it's going to be great. I'm sure it will be focused on what's going on in Israel. Josh Kroshauer is here to brief us on that from Jewish Insider. Follow Josh on X at Josh Kroshauer. Josh, um, I would make the entire debate about commander in chief issues. What do you think? No, I think foreign policy has suddenly become uh, a top issue. Uh, Look, uh, we've had debates already about national security. But, Hugh, there's a clear dividing line between uh, many of the Republican candidates, folks like Nikki Haley with with significant uh, diplomatic and national security experience. Ron DeSantis has been going on offense, um, attacking uh, Donald Trump for making some uh, comments about Hezbollah being smart and and attacking Bibi Netanyahu. Uh, I don't know if that's going to make a huge dent in in Trump's support in the primary, but it's certainly a vulnerability that his campaign was really trying to clean up quickly over the last few days. Um, And Vivek Ramaswamy, my goodness, like he has really been taking some heat for, uh, you know, almost, uh, you know, uh, both sides uh, or making some comments uh, that that even even a lot of typically supportive conservatives have been wondering about the depth of his support for Israel. So there there are some fissures in the Republican. Salem won't be controlling all of the questions, but a lot of them. And I'm going to urge commander in chief questions. Let me talk, Josh, about my conversation with Michael Oren earlier today. Ynet reported that Israel wanted to strike Hezbollah preemptively after their attacks on the Israeli soldiers, four dead over the last few days, and that the United States backed them off. What do you make of that report? Um, yeah, I've seen that. I don't, it hasn't, I haven't seen any, any follow-up reporting on that front. Look, the, 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 um, there, there's a lot of concern both in Israel and, and here about, you know, a, a two front 
to the second front opening up in the north. So I'm not sure. You know, I, I think we want to know a little more, have a little more detail on what 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 uh, people are seeing and saying. But that 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 is the worry in Israel. They they're worried that uh, Hezbollah would uh, attack from the north. There's already been some activity up north, and uh, look, that's why the U.S. has. Biden has been saying, you know, to basically sending a message uh, pretty clearly to Iran, don't 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 get involved any any further. Um, but that, that that is a worry, not just in the U.S., but in Israel, because uh, they're focused on Gaza right now and they don't want to have to deal with, with the north if they can't can avoid it. Dr. Oren has argued that they should act preemptively because they've got 360,000 reservists joining with 100 to 125,000 soldiers. And that Israel can't maintain this level of readiness. It's a small country. You got a half million people under arms and kitted out that they've got to do what they've got to do right now. What are your what's your reaction to that, Josh? I think that that's a accurate assessment, but I think it's a matter of timing. I think the focus right now is on is on Gaza. They're trying to gather intelligence, sending sending troops in, doing surveillance to figure out uh uh, all the details in the preparation for a likely ground invasion. And uh, I don't know if, if they want to have a two-front war while while uh, any, any ground invasion is, in Gaza is taking place. But look, it, it's, it's, a very del- it's a very volatile time in Israel because you, know, you have threats on, 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 on both uh, north and south. And, uh, you know, and you have to deal with, with um, you know, just, just the, the psyche being uh, yeah, this a very, very uh, – uh, distraught Israeli psyche right now. And it's, it's a, these, are, these are very challenging times in Israel. What do you think, as the editor of Jewish Insider, of the Americans who are protesting Israel on college campuses and the inane statements from the president of Harvard, the president of Northwestern, the president of Penn, the UC Davis, UCLA? It's crazy, but the moral rot is deep in higher education. Yeah, I mean, Hugh, it's like if you had neo-Nazis marching on college campuses during, you know, the 1930s and the 1940s. That That's the equivalent of what we just saw in the last week. And even more shocking, perhaps, is that university presidents, by and large, at some of the most elite colleges, have been slow to even mention Israel in some of their statements. They condemn terrorism. I mean, these things are instinctive to most people, but for some reason, uh, some of the top Ivy League university presidents don't have the moral courage to, 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 to speak moral truth. And look, there is a pushback that's happening. Um, Jewish students, uh, trustees, alumni, uh, there, there is, I mean, you look, all you have to do is, is, is look around and look at the mass outrage in this country about um, what's, what happened in Israel and what's frankly the lack of, uh, like, you know, the lack of moral, moral, lack of anything coming from these universities. Um, but you're seeing, uh, you know, at, at, at the University of Pennsylvania, for instance, John Huntsman said he would uh, not be donating any more money to his alma mater, and you're seeing a lot of prominent, you know, prominent uh, donors, prominent trustees saying, "You got to shape, shape up, or you know, we're going to pull our money out of the out of the college campuses." So, last quick uh, question, Josh. Politics question: I think the United States needs a Speaker of the House right now. I hope Jim Jordan gets it tomorrow. Do you think he will? Uh, no, I don't. I think there's still enough holdouts, um, especially those in the more moderate uh, wing of the party that think that Jordan would would be a, you know, make their lives much more politically challenging. And I think, I think we're going to be going on without a speaker for, for some time. It's uh, only five, all you need is five Republicans as we learned in January to, to really muck things up. And uh, I don't know if Jordan is going to be able to build any broad consensus within that Republican party. We'll check in with you later in the week. I know you are as busy as you've ever been. Josh Kroshauer, I appreciate the time. 
Follow him on X at Josh Kroshauer, the editor-in-chief of the Jewish Insider, which is doing great reporting on a daily basis. I will continue to collect information, bring it to you every day. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Harley. Thank you, Dwayne. Don't forget our friends at the International Federation of Christians and Jews. It's over at the banners at the top of QHewitt.com. Please be generous, and the Fellowship of Christian Jews will be good stewards of your money in assisting Israel. I'm Hugh Hewitt. Talk to you tomorrow.